Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Hey, Jim. Hey, Catherine. Today, we have a question from a listener, which is something we've also been kind of mulling in, in vague terms. Ooh, what's the question? Here's the question. This is from Dana. Hi, Catherine and Jim. I am an urban planner and a former New Yorker. Ten years ago, my husband and I had to leave New York and we moved to the D.C. suburbs. New York had been everything to me and I cried for months. This is sad. Hmm. Um, I also felt I was betraying everything I learned in planning school. We bought a house on a cul-de-sac. We got a car, oh. but it was a Prius. Oh, it's a Prius. And a lawnmower. Yeah. And right. Today, I am so grateful for our front yard, our washer dryer, our driveway, happy hours with neighbors. Um, our kids ride their scooters around the neighborhood and keep a sense of sanity. Wow. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, in New York, my 99-year-old grandma got COVID-19 in March without having left her apartment for two weeks. She's fully recovered now after a long stay in the hospital. Um, so here's her question. I would love to hear an episode on the future of cities due to the coronavirus. Will there be a shift? Will New York return to the early 80s? Or will it bear through this? Will 20-year-olds still be excited to live in the city where the average rent is, she says, 4000 a month to live in a closet? Or will they go elsewhere? It might be a little, the average might be a little cheaper than that, but not, but not by much. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why someone might be considering a move right now um could be closer to to be closer to family it could be to save money it could be because of unemployment it could be because you're you know you used to have to go into a job and you know now you do your work from home you want a yard you realize the value of that now you realize that it's not just something you have to mow it actually is a space it's like you can a place go you can sit. be in right? yeah um, you know, you might want to live in a place with more pleasant public space. So she's um, not any... crying anymore about about having left. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So will enough other people make that choice right now that cities will look drastically different? And will suburbs and rural areas, you know, get a get a huge influx of people that are like of city people, you know, uh -oh. who are, city who are messing things. City people are With the worst. With their berets and always thumbing their noses at the local cuisine. <laughs> always talking about how, always talking about how they used to go to the theater in New York. Ah, the theater. What's your, um, what's your favorite musical? Mm, I can't say I'm very well versed in musicals. Mm. But uh what's your favorite play? My favorite play? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um the play where everyone Okay, you've never been to the theater. I don't anyway. I don't know what the theater is. Jim's never been to the theater. Anyway, so we should call Amanda Mull who's actually been reporting on this. And I I'm guessing she's actually been to see a play before, but it's just a guess. Um 
But we should call her because she's been reporting on what the future of cities will actually look like. And should we be anticipating huge, you know, waves of migration? Like, is this going to change how population is distributed in this country or no? Hello. Can you hear me? Hey. Hello. 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 We like to get the hellos in five or six times. (laughs) Jim, why don't you lay out our our question here? All right. Well, just the top. You're a Brooklyn person, Amanda. I am. You've lived in New York City for a while. Yeah, I've lived in New York City for a little over nine years, and I've lived in Brooklyn for six. And you've um, been a kind of person who could see yourself living here forever, if if I recall from prior chats. Not like uh, I just wanted to live here for a quick fling. No, I really, I really like living here. Um, it has uh, always been my intention to stay for the foreseeable future. I have, I have never really had like an exit plan. Um, New York suits me. Yeah, but even among like potential lifers like you, um, I know that it's like a, it's a common thing that everyone's at least sometimes thinking. Well, you know, I should get out of here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> So that calculus is kind of always at least on people's minds to some degree in cities like this. And as I understand it now, people are starting to tip, at least temporarily, uh, leaving the city and going to other places and considering even longer term moves. Well, first of all, is that true? Are people actually leaving cities right now in meaningful numbers? That sort of de- it sort of depends on the city you're talking about. Um, there's a couple things going on with New York specifically. First, it was the uh, epicenter of the global pandemic for a period of time, which is enough to make a lot of people skittish, and especially a lot of people with uh, you know options. Mm-hmm. And then New York is also just eye-wateringly expensive. And along with the health implications of the pandemic, there have been a lot of economic implications for people who uh, are working in the service industry, people working in hospitality, things like that, especially. Um, So you get sort of a perfect storm in New York City of people who might be tempted to leave Mm -hmm. right now, or at least were tempted to like consider the possibility over the past few months. Um, but then you try to like square that with the with what we know about how people have been moving in and out of cities and in and out of different regions of the country in the United States in general over the past five years, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and New York has like a pretty high rate of attrition in normal times, you know, when, when there's no century defining disaster going on. Right. <laughs> um, so you see sort of a wider picture of migration in this country in general, where especially wealthy, mostly white, younger adults uh, moving out of the biggest, most expensive cities. So San Francisco, New York, uh, LA, and toward generally sort of Sunbelt cities, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Nashville, Austin, Uh, For people who are looking for, like, a yard, if that is, like, the thing they were missing, like, a yard and someplace to park a car, then that is really popular with those people. But the pandemic is going to make people want to be in cars and have yards, right? It's, like, the equivalent of wanting to have kids suddenly for some people? 
that is sort of the theory that a lot of people are working on. Um, I talked to two different demographers for this story, and one of them in particular was suspicious of this theory. Um, she said that in general, people move for life stage reasons, that it is very hard to get uh, to get people to move because of a disaster in the city that they're living in or in the town that they're living in, that usually when people move, and not just within a city, not from apartment to apartment, but from city to suburb or from city to another city, uh, it is because things that are happening internally in their lives. Huh. She was really not buying the idea that this is going to set off like a huge, noticeable, sustained trend of people moving who were not at all planning to do it beforehand. Yeah. I feel like since the invention of the of the internet, and probably long before, people have been like, remote work, you will be able to work from anywhere, and like jobs will be completely done with technology and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that obviously hasn't been the case but now there's this whole idea that, okay, well, now that everyone is proving to themselves that that much office work can be done functionally from anywhere, is there any, like, nuance to the kind of remote office work uh, shift that's going on? Or it's kind of the same situation? Like, people aren't moving unless there's some actual reason. Yeah, I think that, and I, I believe this for a while, too. Um, but reporting this story sort of dissuaded me from this belief. The labor expert that I talked to was was very suspicious. This this article was just me, a process of me calling people who were like, I don't think I buy that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, so what was the question you started out with? Well, the question I started out with is, is that is working from home going to stick widely mm -hmm. and enduringly for a long time and then um, therefore you know potentially change the landscape of like yeah. where people live yeah yeah what i asked him was are we going to work from home forever uh in large numbers and if we do is that going to motivate a lot of people to move out of expensive cities where jobs are concentrated mm -hmm. he was like he was like i don't think so <laughs> so everybody you talked to was like no <laughs> no yeah um as things are now there is a high chance that a lot of people head back to offices sometime this year and that employers uh, want to have at least part of their workforce in offices. But isn't that like, presumably people will try that for a while. Some people in the office will get sick and then they'll have to shut down again, right? Like, is there any way we can do this? Jim, like, is there any way that that can actually happen without problem? Um. If you can be pretty far apart and you have good airflow and you're really mm -hmm. vigilant about nobody coming in unless they're, you know, like, yeah, there's asymptomatic spread, but like you can, you know, easily screen and make sure that if anyone has any sort of contact with anyone who's been sick or is feeling even slightly sick, you know, they stay out. Like there are ways to really minimize yeah, that's not gonna the spread, happen. but it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to be like, there's zero risk here. No, this all seems like such a disaster. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. It is. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> okay, but 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 it sounds like the experts you talked to said, you know, grooves of behavior and location run deep, and it's not like, you know, there's a pandemic through, for three months, and all of a sudden the city's empty out, and, you know, we all live totally differently. But isn't right. there, yeah. like, when you can't do the things that you love to do in the city, and if it becomes apparent that those things are forever changed, are going to be gone for a very long time, e.g., 
a packed bar or club or a musical concert or a theater, then, you know, doesn't that change the value proposition of the city in a way that after like a normal disaster, you feel like it's going to, it's going to come back. This was just one hurricane or one, you know, whatever, like those things have a temporariness that this doesn't, but the experts you've spoken to don't think that that holds up. They were not convinced that that things would change enough to drive a lot of people out. If you were someone who really loves theater or, or really loves... As Catherine you know, does. Night- <laughs> or really loves nightlife or something like that, um, there's not like there's a place you can move to get that back sooner. Yeah. Um, people who are in cities because they really like what a city provides, I think that they are sort of going to have to wait it out wherever they go. And if they really liked what New York City provided them before, it seems right now that their best option is to wait it out here if they can still afford it. Yeah. What about, um, I mean, we're record high unemployment. And it seems like there might be a migration happening there. Like, for instance, with people who've been in the restaurant industry or in industries that are just not, clearly not going to come back the same way they were. Um, Is that kind of migration happening? Yeah. I was also curious about this. And what I, what I learned uh, in talking to some demographers is that it's really only upper middle class and wealthy people who move, Mm -hmm. uh, who move between cities or between regions. Mm -hmm. Um, People with less money move between dwellings very frequently, Mm -hmm. uh, but they move between cities or between regions uh, very infrequently. So this whole cities are going to empty out thing is a phenomenon because a certain very online (laughs) group of people who have the kinds of jobs that could be done remotely are wondering out loud if their lives would be nicer somewhere else. Right. The people who get charged with telling the stories of how the pandemic is going in, especially in New York, are generally people who might be wondering themselves if they should leave or who are hearing their friends who work in tech or finance or uh, other knowledge or or white collar jobs, hearing them wondering those things. Uh, But but those, that phenomenon, that flexibility is, is largely a function of, of being college-educated, upper-middle-class or wealthy, and having uh, fi- family financial resources that could help them if they lose a job or something like that. Um, people who, you know, have lived in New York for their entire lives uh, in, in work and in service industry or working-class jobs uh, are, are generally playing with a much different set of factors and incentives. Sure. Did you find anything interesting that you found out that was unexpected? Like the premise you went in with, turns out the experts don't really buy it. But is there something else going on that is uh, that is worth noting? I think the larger trend that's at play here is that cities need to figure out how they become hospitable places for people who want to have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that is a problem that has been recognized for a little while and that is uh, sort of understood to be the thing that is pushing people out of cities like San Francisco and New York and LA. Um, And that was pre, that was true before the pandemic and it's true now. That was true before the pandemic and it's true now Um, from some of the 
um, the discussions that I observed between people thinking about moving, a lot of them had already sort of put one foot into that decision-making process before any of this happened. And largely it was because they either had small kids or they were looking to have a kid or more kids uh, and that the sort of expensive New York lifestyle that they could afford when it was them and their partner uh, is suddenly no longer possible when it's them and a couple kids. And, and then the pandemic just sort of accelerates that need, I think. Uh, and that was in line with what the demographers I spoke to told me is that it's generally life circumstances that push people to move. Yeah. But generation upon generation of people have been born and raised in New York City. And most people don't leave to have a baby. So I know it's possible. Yeah. Cities could definitely make it easier, but most people don't leave the place they are from just to have a child, right? I think that in the past that has been true, but especially in these like couple very, very expensive, very crowded cities, you see a disconnect in the past decade or two between housing prices and wages that is larger and and getting even bigger than it ever has been before in the country's history. So, so you see like this, this tension increasing in a way that it, that previous generations of people didn't have to think about as much people who are not rich enough to buy their way out of this problem in New York city, but who have enough flexibility and resources to move elsewhere to solve the problem. So you see like that tier of people who end up leaving. Yeah. So in, in summation, the rumors of, the death of cities have been have been exaggerated. Have been largely exaggerated. And it's not t- for anyone out there who might be considering moving, panic moving. Uh, you'd say don't. Yeah, I would say give it. Yeah, if you if you can like think you can tough it out for another year and see what happens, I think that everybody who can do that who is considering moving now will be in a better position to make an informed decision. If even if you can wait six months. Every time I report a story on what the pandemic is doing to American life more broadly, the thing that experts of whatever kind tell me is that we don't know how this is going to play out and that there is not enough data yet to give us good indications on which to make decisions. So I I think that if people can just white knuckle this like six months or a year more, they are going to have so much more information. Um, Whereas if you if you just go with your gut right now, I think a lot of people are going to be living somewhere else that they don't really like in a year or 18 months and feeling a little bit silly about it. That's really helpful to hear. Um, I had one idea that came up. Mm hmm. Shakespeare in the Park. Mm-hmm. Why not Phantom of the Opera in the Park? Cats in the Park. We do it all in the park. Yeah, everything's just in the park. <laughs> Our whole lives in the park. <laughs> yeah. And then theater's back. And then hmm. No, I think that I think that especially as we gain more information about outdoor transmission and what those best practices are in order to make sure that does not does not happen. I think that a lot of things that people enjoy can be sort of modified, especially while it's warm out. Mm-hmm. So Hang in there, right. like yeah. the cat poster with the cat hanging. Hanging is the message. Yeah, 
Yeah. And like my, my view of this that has developed over the past few weeks is that there's, there's no place you can run to that will give you normalcy. What you have to figure out right now is how to create a, a life you enjoy to the best of your ability, wherever you are and get creative and, and think outside the box and try to use what we know about how the virus spreads and how it behaves in order to reconstruct um, the things you enjoy doing. And I think it's, it's largely possible to do that. Yeah. Um, this is really wonderful and helpful. Uh, thank you for framing it accordingly. Yeah. Don't move. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. Great. Well, we can all get together and go to cats in the park when it, when it starts up maybe. <laughs> thank you to Frederick law Olmsted in, uh, Indeed. 1860 or so. Yeah. Shout out him. He's coming through for us right now. The best pandemic technology. Um, yes. Excellent. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, thank you so much, Amanda. Of course. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. What's your deal with cats? Oh, it's like the quintessential New York theater experience. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> me neither. Um, but I do think that things like that are sort of theaters, like the riddle that I haven't solved as to how that could ever come back. And like, those are some of the things that are really uniquely New York. I mean, I, yes, but I will say for people not living in New York, San Francisco or LA and maybe Chicago, if I were listening to this, I'd be like, thank God, like, please stay where you are. Do not come here. Um, yeah. Like, we don't need your viruses. We don't need um, your gentrification. We don't need your attitude. I don't know. That's how I would feel. Okay. One thing before we go. Um, so, we talked about vitamins last week, and you have a very, I would say, I would say aggressively anti-vitamin stance. <laughs> if that's what you took away from it. No, I would just say you 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 uh rightly expressed some skepticism about like multivitamins and how they're going to magically like fix all of these things if you even if you don't you know live a healthy lifestyle. Right. Um but we did get a couple of questions and I wanted to ask you about them because um I know you know about them. So here is one of the questions. Um as I listened to you discussing vitamin D, I wondered why you did not include the challenge black and brown people have in absorbing it and storing it. Um, I know you wrote about this in the, in the print piece that you did on this same topic. So why don't you explain uh, what this has to do with vitamin D? Yeah. Um, and to reiterate, the, the idea of vitamin D deficiency specifically being really widespread is, is debated. Uh, some people say it's it's not that common. You don't need that much vitamin D, and other people believe that you need that, that. It's extremely common that many many people should be supplementing, especially because we we make vitamin D with with sunlight, and now we spend most of our lives indoors. And when we're outdoors, we're covering ourselves in in sunscreen. And now we're quarantining. It does seem to be more common in people with darker skin tones, and that is believed to be due to the the melanin the pigments in your skin which s essentially block the absorption of some of the sunlight that helps to activate the vitamin 
D that we we make. So you just mm-hmm. uh, make less vitamin D if you were to have a lighter skin person and a darker skin person be exposed to the exact same amount of sunlight, less of the sunlight would make its way into the vitamin making process in the darker skin person. So it may be more of an issue to keep an eye on if you have darker skin. Um, and I say that with lots of caveats, that's not the only group that's at higher risk. Um, so what are the other risk factors that you're talking about for vitamin D deficiency? So say you live in Alaska and there are months out of the year where you have only a few hours of sunlight and you're probably not spending a lot of time out there with any exposed skin if you are going out at all because Mm -hmm. it's freezing. Um, There are definitely higher rates of vitamin D deficiency as you move away from the equator. So... Skin tone, latitude, time in the sun, all of those things affect vitamin D. Yeah, and how much you might be getting body. from your diet, too. We, we supplement it in things like dairy. We add it mm-hmm. to milk and ice cream. And if you eat a lot of that stuff, you are probably, I mean, it's like, it is the same thing that you either take with a pill or you have it mixed into your dairy products. So depending how much of that you eat, it also changes things. Okay, so a slight nuance to add to the vitamin discussion the other week is, like, there are actual risk factors for, for vitamin D deficiency. Yeah, every vitamin is important. If you, Without it, you get bad things, like scurvy or rickets in the case of vitamin D. It, you, you, uh, these are things that are common in parts of the world still today and were very common historically. Um, we have really fortified our food systems and... Um, most people don't need to spend money on more vitamins. So another factor that should go into your thinking about vitamins is pregnancy? Yeah, there are all sorts of points in life or medical conditions which might affect a person's need for a specific supplement. And those things are ways to think about these as more like medications that have a specific time and dose and utility and less like, oh, I should just take as much of whatever I see. Right, right. So maybe the the overall point is not definitely don't take vitamins. They're a scam. No. It's, I, I, did it's, I say that? <laughs> if anyone wants to write to me with specific vitamin questions, I, uh, I will, I'll be happy to do my best to help. Okay, social distance at theatlantic.com is where you can reach Jim for all of your vitamin questions. Uh, this show was produced today by Alvin Melleth. And if you like this show, tell one friend about it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. I will talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.